previously on All Things Unexplained. I was genuinely nervous. And I think you could hear it in my commentary on that helicopter when you're talking about when that ground collision avoidance system was signaling that we had something, at, you know, as close as 39, 40 feet below the helicopter when, when we were at, four, you know, 4,600 to 4,800 feet above the ground. I think they caught me saying, what the hell is under us? You know? you know, that's all very real. You know, I was, I was concerned, you know, we were feeling, there was a lot going on there in, in, in what you see. And, you know, we were feeling that vibration. Cameron talked about the, the buffeting, the vorticity, the rotation in the, in the air. It, it was very much as if we were not up there alone. That's the kind of thing where, you know, when you're at, at nearly 5,000 feet above ground level, that starts to matter. Hey, Unexplained Ones, you can save 10% at ParanormalityMag.com. Just use promo code BigfootUFO at checkout. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Did the CIA write Wind of Change by the Scorpions? (laughs) (laughs) As humans busied themselves about the various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied. Dr. Loeb, what percentage chance do you give it that you have indeed uncovered extraterrestrial or non-human technology? With infinite complacence, people went about their affairs, yet across an immense ethereal gulf, intellects vast and unsympathetic through their plans against us. Prior to your abduction, did you believe in UFOs or any sort of alien life form? All things unexplained. So some of that I think there will save for closed session. We have special guests joining us tonight. We could not be more thankful to have Eric Bard and Thomas Winterton with us from the secret of Tim Walker Ranch from the History Channel. So I just wanted to close out with the scientific investigation and research portion of this show by uh, first a listener comment here. And it's a perfect segue to my question for you guys. And so I just got to kick out of this. Tom Akers says, I really hope we, this reminds me of the main tweets segments you see online, by the way, sometimes. I really hope we get some kind of answers this season because I don't want this show to turn into that Oak Island show where it always is close, but nothing comes out of it. I, look, I promise no coconut fiber. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought that was a perfect segue to close out the scientific part of this show with this question. Guys, what do you hope to achieve with the ongoing scientific investigation of Skinwalker Ranch? You know, I think we've, we've kind of touched on this. Um, What do we hope to achieve? Um, You know, it isn't just a craven desire for closure, right? It isn't just that we want to close up all these open questions. There are two deliverables here. Yes, there are the answers. And I mentioned, you know, that, that my favorite kind of answer, you know, as, as principal investigator, obviously, 
I would like to find the answer that unifies all these disparate, very different things that are happening. You know, how do you how do you reconcile that you've got so many different things happening on, on this on this one relatively small patch of land here in the at the low point of the Uinta Basin, right? How, you know, how do you what can we find a unifying uh, explanation? So that's one deliverable. The other deliverable is is the elevation of the discourse itself. And that is, you know, look at how we have historically engaged these topics. You know, there's been an awful lot of sensational stuff out there. You know, I don't want to disparage anyone, but there are uh, some people, myself included, who would look at, at the genre as being maybe um, a little unsavory because of the way it has been uh, handled. And, and again, this is not at all to disparage the efforts of those who have been truly, you know, sincere investigators. But there's been an awful lot of of uh, confirmation bias. There's been an awful lot of storytelling, frankly. Um, and so one of the deliverables, one of the things I hope to have come out of the investigation is that we will have elevated the way we engage, elevate the discourse. I really hope that means something to, to you guys and to those who are listening. Absolutely. Definitely. And I have to say, I'm like I said, I'm a big Albert Einstein fan and he tried to have an equation or discover the equation to unify everything, all of physics, all of astrophysics. He ran into a little bit of trouble with quantum physics, but on this show, you know, we've experienced a wide swath of paranormal situations. And it's interesting. We can detect that there is some sort of common thread. We can't put our finger on it but it's there. So I applaud your search for that. So we touched a little bit on, you know, the interplay of science and beliefs as well. And I wanted to bring up something that um, I didn't really think of as I was watching the show until you had uh, a Native American gentleman come on. And I believe he was from the Ute tribe. Is that accurate? And he really cautioned you guys about messing with the land and said some prayers and said, you guys should be the ones saying the prayers. You're the ones that are about to to mess with this land. And when we posted that we were going to do this show with you, somebody had commented a not very nice comment about, you know, how wrong it is to mess with, with Native American land to, to tamper with this, to tamper with what might have happened before. And again, that wasn't something that I had thought of before this, but I figure since it came up, it's worth bringing up. How do you guys balance and approach the, the ethics of the investigation with potentially dangerous things and, and interfering with potentially spiritual things? Well, I'll, I'll start by just kind of the, the public relations portion of, of, you know, the the ranch lies there in the middle of the Ute tribe reservation. Uh, they're our neighbors, and uh, we appreciate, you know, the many many good things that they they bring to the table and i know that as we've done this investigation the thing that i appreciate uh a lot about eric uh and and the the science approaches that they've taken is that uh they're open-minded you know they don't automatically dismiss anything uh eric always Eric is always saying, I'm not here to believe, I'm not here to disbelieve, I'm here to observe. And so we inherited this, this legend of the Skinwalker, this Native American culture that we're right in the middle of. And, and it's something that we, we do need to be sensitive of. And it's something that we've taken very seriously. 
Um, one of the reasons why Brandon sent Jim Morse out before anybody is that Jim Morse has, has a lifetime, has spent his entire lifetime uh, serving the Native American communities. He's helped raise millions of dollars for their scholarships. He's, um, I mean, he has great and very deep relationships within Native American tribes, um, multiple. And so Jim has done a great job of outreaching to the, the Native Americans in the area. And, you know, it's interesting in the fact that, um, you know, the legend of Skinwalker is, is that the, the um, tribe, the Ute tribe provided scouts and assisted the, the U.S. soldiers in pushing out the Navajos from the area. And the, originally the, the, where the ranch is was Navajo hunting ground. And that the Navajo shaman cursed the ground uh, because of that. And so in, in, I know in conversations that I've been with Jim in with uh, Native Americans, there's been a pretty even split even among the tribal members there as to whether or not that's even real. We've had half of them that say, oh, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. And the other half, I mean, there's some that have told us that when they drive down the main road, you know, to the east of the ranch, they will look towards the east, which is the opposite direction of the ranch. They refuse to <laughs> acknowledge it. Um, and yeah. so it's interesting to see that even within the tribe itself, there's a there's a division in how to approach this. And so I think um, that all we can do, where they're not even united themselves in, in what's going on, um, we just have to be open-minded and, and we always want to just be culturally sensitive. And we've reached out to them many, many times on many different issues to get their take and to get their opinion on what they think might be happening. And so we definitely view them as a, as a wonderful asset to, to lean on in some of these instances where we're coming across some of these discoveries, like for example, the petroglyphs that we found there on the ranch. Uh, you know, those, that's something that we obviously lean into them and, and want to get their take. So. You know, we, our approach is one that absolutely embraces uh, our Native American, our tribal neighbors and friends. Uh, we fully expect that we, we have a lot yet to learn uh, from their tradition. Um, you know, I've said it from the, from the outset. Well, there are two things I've said. Uh, I, remember, I remember the first, first day of filming, I kind of threw a fit and I said, <laughs> this is not just a science experiment, you know. Uh, you probably remember that, Tom. I was, I was kind of, <laughs> I, I was concerned that we were going in that direction. I said, this is not a science exercise to the exclusion of all else. And the other thing that I say is, I can never allow this investigation to become, uh, to become or to become perceived as a proposition of my science versus your tradition. Never. I want nothing to do with that. Uh, and in fact, anything that I can can learn uh, from the tradition, from the Native American tradition, I consider to be very valuable. And in fact, I've you know committed quite some time to searching out and, and reading available material and will probably read much more uh, as opportunity uh, presents. Yes. And maybe we'll find out that our science and their tradition go hand in hand. Love it. I love that. You know, we got season four of the Secret Skinwalker Ranch coming up. What do you guys see as the next steps 
for investigating the phenomenon at Skinwalker Ranch. We've got a giant metallic object in the mountain. We've got drones, military crafts flying over the property. What what do you guys see as the next steps here? We, you know, I'll start with, with your introductory statement, and then I want to hear what Tom has to say, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like I'm talking too much. No, you're not. You're doing great. <laughs> okay. Well, we have... We again, this goes back to something I was saying earlier about, you know, what do we really know? We know that we have retrieved metallic uh, specimens from a portion of the Mesa, right? We know that uh, we have uh, retrieved uh, not just metal, but uh, some material that incorporates some really interesting metals. And perhaps, according to some who've looked at this, we, we might be looking at a meta material of some kind, you know, something that is perhaps uh, made in a, uh, I think it was described as being made in a blast furnace uh, compared to materials used in the aerospace industry. We don't know uh, what those are, uh, but the fact is we don't know at this point that we have a large metallic object in the Mesa. What we know is that we've retrieved metal from our, uh, really what is a biopsy uh, at this point, going into the, to the base of the Mesa. And we know that we have encountered uh, something that was not permitting that that directional drilling uh, uh, drill head to to go upwards as intended, but was actually driving it down, and then eventually uh, it was able to come upwards. Um, so we've encountered something very hard, is what I read into that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, looking forward, I, I guess from where you guys are sitting right now, with with you know, you all you know is what you've seen on up to season three. Uh, we have the benefit of having film season four last summer. And, uh, and I'll just say, you know, season four was a roller coaster, unlike anything I've ever ridden before. Um, uh, I, I want, I'm sitting here watching the teaser that you guys played at the beginning of, of this uh, interview and just watching that, uh, I'm flooded with all kinds of emotions that I felt when we were in the process of filming. I have to say that I caught myself holding my breath through some of those imageries just because of the almost like a PTSD in a way. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to process uh, the events that happened during season four. I think now I haven't had the privilege of being able to see the episodes uh, yeah, I'm, you know, we, we, we film all summer and then it's always fun to see how the editors put it together and, and put the storyline together out of it. But um, I'm, I'm really excited to share, you know, knowing what we captured and not having seen the episodes. I'm not sure how to play out yet, but I'll tell you that season four was incredibly um eye-opening and, and like I say I'm still processing and you can imagine based on the things you guys said you know the metal that we pulled out of the mesa uh the the occurrences that have happened there at the triangle in season three so you can only imagine that going into season four uh well I mean you can see tell by the teaser where some of our focus is and and I just say it it's going to be a incredible journey these next 14 weeks as these episodes air imagine how we feel you lived it. We have to wait to watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. The suspense. Yeah, the suspense. Yeah. I'm right in line with you, Thomas. You know, I got to say, 
you know, for the first three, uh, th first three years, first three seasons, you know, I just refused to watch it. You know, unless I had my arm twisted behind my back, you know, I just, I wouldn't do it. I, and, and as CJ said, you know, I, we've lived it. Well, I, I, my, my statement was, well, I lived it once and once is enough. Um, but um, I have taken the opportunity to look at some of the rough cut material for the purpose of providing a little bit of the scientific, you know, and other, other feedback uh, on, on what has been uh, put together as prospective uh, um, episodes. And it is jarring. Sometimes I find myself uh, just, it, it, it's hard to believe that all of that happened, you know, in, in, in last summer and uh, early fall. It's just, what was your, what was your term, Tom? You said it was like PTSD. I think I can relate to that. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. So guys, this is a little sneak peek and a question I'm going to ask later, but are there any collaborations or partnerships? You know, there are a lot of big name groups out there studying the paranormal, in particular UFOs and UAPs. We've got NASA, we've got Aero, A-A-R-O, we've got the Pentagon, we've got all kind of folks out there doing legitimate studies of paranormal activity, particular UFOs and UAPs. Are there any collaborations or partnerships that you guys want to pursue or think that you should pursue for advancing the scientific understanding of the ranch? You know, I think without being preemptive of, of things uh, currently in, in motion, I would say to you, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Reason enough. Reason enough to watch. We were given access to the first episode of season four, so we have seen it. So I'm not sure how much we're allowed to say or what is known and I don't, and we are live so I don't want to get anybody in trouble just a little bit I'd say <laughs> but I'll let you go Tim because I don't want to be the one getting in trouble you ask the questions <laughs> is there there a season that seems to be more active for these paranormal activities than other seasons or is it pretty much across the board you mean season of the year yeah like fall summer spring I know Thomas has a take on that. Well, um, you know, what happens, I, I think we agree that we haven't been able to put a pattern to it as far as any type of predictable cycle or, or uh, you know, predictability to it. But I, I have observed, and, and maybe there's various reasons for it, but it does seem like maybe there's an uptick during the January, February part. Um, but... You know, I, I have to say, after filming season four, I mean, like Eric said, we captured, we had so many things happen in those couple short months that it'd be hard for me to say that anything in January or February has <laughs> surpassed what we yeah. captured in those couple months. So yeah. that's, a, I, I don't know. You know, uh, your, your personal experiences and the things that I observed in the surveillance, you know, before we began the public facing work and with the documentary uh, align really well, you know, I saw a lot of things, you know, during the winter months, right. Um, you know, this, uh, you know, we asked people who had lived, I, I've certainly asked people who have either lived on the ranch or, or, you know, in the area, 
what they thought about this very same question. And it was interesting because I would get diametrically opposed answers. I've had people tell me, mm-hmm. oh, the month of June or July, and others have said exactly what you said, Thomas, you know, February. Um, you know, the fact is, as Thomas mentioned, you know, we're engaging, you know, in a very different and a very, uh, I won't say aggressive, but proactive way when we're doing the documentary work. Um, and I like to think that it's synergistic with the, the more light-handed uh, observational work that we do through the balance of the year. So we're seeing, we're seeing aspects of the ranch, we're seeing aspects of the phenomenology come forward. You know, when we engage with these, these sometimes very large scale and very ambitious and energetic experiments uh, that, that, that we see in the episodes, but then I, I, I have to say, I enjoy as much or more seeing what happens on its own. Because think about it. You know, the, the inherited narrative is not one in which individuals going back into, the, say, the 1980s, 1990s and so forth. It's, it's not like they were conducting, uh, d- d- there were deliberate attempts to, to, to push the buttons and pull the levers and turn the knobs and elicit some kind of response as far as we know. These were things that happened on their own. And so those uh, have historically been the kinds of events that I've been most focused on, you know, in a more of an observational mode. And they are very interesting. We've caught a lot of stuff uh, just by keeping the vigil. All right, Tim, let's jump into some of those hot takes real quick. All right, so hot takes, guys. So just um, I'm going to throw some things at you pretty quickly here. You know, we had an astrophysicist on the show one time, and he said that he was asked if he discovered proof of alien life to let the president know first. He said, no, I will not do that. I will be revealing that to the public and to academia at large. So, Eric and Thomas, you know, how do you balance the desire to share your findings with the public and academia with concerns about sensationalism or misinformation? That's not exactly a hot take, a little bit more of a longer question, but still. Short and sweet, I think it depends on the circumstance. It depends on exactly what is observed. Yeah, I think I think the information that you gather uh, – we all have a desire to be very transparent and open with what we're seeing. But if there was an instance where what we were witnessing could have, say, national security implications, then we have a responsibility. We, we can't be putting people at risk or putting you know, our desire for transparency over the, the safety concerns of many. So like Eric said, it would depend on exactly what it was that we, what we had. Great, good answer. And I want to go over some listener comments and questions. I don't know who this group is, but they've been very active tonight on the show. Perhaps y'all have heard of them. The SWR insiders are addicted to the show. They've been really active tonight. Skinwalker Ranch, come on. <laughs> I know, I assume that's the Skinwalker Ranch insiders, but I, I don't know about the Skinwalker Ranch insiders. But they're definitely here tonight. So I wanted to give them a shout out. I just want to say, and I'm sure Eric does too, we we freaking love our Skinwalker Ranch insiders. And for those of you that don't know who they are, they are like an extension of our team. They watch vigil- vigilantly on our live stream day and night. And they are some of the they are a group of some of the coolest and, and smartest individuals that, that you'll find. So we we absolutely love our insiders. I just asked him the other day. I was like, "Do you wonder? If, do you think they have a live stream? You <laughs> want to check it out?" Yes, I'm joining. I'm joining. Y- yes, we do. And I got to tell you, it has really 
uh, yielded dividends uh, just exactly as I hoped it would. The first time I, I floated the idea to Brandon, you know, goodness, it was it was 2017. You know, I said, yeah, we've got to get this in front of more human observers. And I don't want to take too much time on this because I know this wasn't your question, but goodness, um, we've had people observing things. We're talking about single frame events, like a 30th of a wow. second events that are actually quite interesting to us. And that's recently. We've had people notice things that are very subtle, very slow to develop, you know, and, and it's remarkable how uh, human beings have such a capacity for, for detecting very nuanced changes in the environment and things in that, in that uh, uh, visible and audible uh, data stream that we're, that we're uh, sending out. And so that has been exactly as hoped a very valuable research tool. And I consider these our colleagues at large. Brilliant. That was a brilliant plan. And I, I'm joining. Okay. On with the question. Sorry. I just, I had, I had to acknowledge him. Yes, absolutely. No worry. I mean, we, we're getting hit up, blown up here by Skinwalker Ranch Insiders. It's, it's amazing. Listener Kimberly Boyd wants to know, have you videotaped actual skinwalkers? Uh, I'll speak to that. Um, I have not seen anything in our video record that, that uh, corresponds to the, the traditional description of a skinwalker, which is like a some sort of an upright humanoid, maybe part, I, I hope I don't say this wrong, something like a, a human being that's also got animal qualities. I have not uh, seen anything like that in uh, the video uh, record. Um, there, there have been some some animals show up that uh, I didn't expect to see. Uh, an example, you know, I didn't know that there were wolves out here, mm. and and I have in fact seen not just the coyote, but there have been a few instances of actual wolves. Oh, cool! Have there been any alien abductions from the ranch that you know of? This comes from listener Kimberly S. Boyd. Yeah, so the trespassers that come on the ranch that are never heard from again, we write <laughs> all those off as. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense and it really leads right into our next question are you guys afraid of alien abduction yourself you know i think it's true of both thomas and myself that when we go out in the field we are checking the horizon all the time we're checking the skies above we're looking over our shoulders you know it isn't just the alien uh theme or meme or whatever you want to call it. It isn't just aliens uh, that uh, that concern us, um, although that is within the scope. I don't think it's specifically that that would that would inspire fear in me. Yeah, I'm more I'm more fearful of the human type abduction. Uh, you know, we we unfortunately because of the spotlight that's been put on the ranch, we've we've been subject to threats or people that, you know, People that think that we're aliens and are going to come out and quote bag them an alien, we're, we're I'm more way more concerned about the the human type than I am of uh, anything extraterrestrial. So it's mm, unfortunate. So I want to th say thanks to all the listeners tonight, and thanks to Eric Bard and Thomas Winterton from the Secret Skinwalker Ranch for coming on with us tonight. Eric and Thomas, Robert Bigelow. More specifically, did he take anything from the ranch or leave <laughs> anything at the ranch? That's what I want to know. 
Very mysterious, a secretive guy, in my opinion. I don't. I honestly don't think that I could say one way or another whether he did or didn't. I can tell you from speaking with him that he takes this problem set very seriously. Hmm. All right, guys. What's your hot take on one Travis Taylor? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward silence. I'm waiting for Eric to go first and I'll finish up. What can I say? I, you know, I'm thrilled that he's part of our team. I'm grateful to uh, Travis for being a co-witness. He and I and, and Thomas and sometimes the entire group are seeing things together that without Travis there as a witness, I, I, I don't know that I would be as comfortable engaging what we've seen and heard and measured. So yeah, of course, thrilled to have him on the team. There's a perfect example of my views evolving 180 degrees. I thought he was a complete pompous, arrogant guy beginning, and he proved me to be the exact opposite. He's actually, he's a wonderful human being. I consider him a very close friend. I, I, I have a lot of uh, love and respect for Travis. And uh, like Eric said, um, you know, he brings a lot to the table for us as a team, and, and I can't imagine doing it without him. Good answer. So I'm not going to give anything away, but... There was some public knowledge events that happened between season three and season four with Travis Taylor. Hopefully it won't cause too much drama for season four. Guys, what's your hot take on Brandon Fugel, current ranch owner? <laughs> I don't know if I want to touch this one. This is really complex. Um, Be careful. No, Tim Tim is just asking these questions in a very dramatic way, which is <laughs> right. Um, you know, <laughs> there's only one Brandon Fugel. Amen. What's your take on your boss, Tim? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's next episode. That's the next episode. <laughs> You know, I will, I will say real quick, I appreciate Brandon's desire for transparency. I mean, uh, Brandon could have chose to take Bigelow's route and keep all this secret, keep it to himself. Right. And, uh, and you know, Brandon didn't come in this for with the intent of a TV show. For two years, I fielded phone calls from producers because I was the only publicly associated name with the ranch when Brandon first bought it. I fielded dozens of calls from producers and networks wanting to do a show, I would pass the message on to Brandon and he would always respond with two words, not interested, not interested. And even the show today, that is a result of an individual and I'll give him full credit. TJ Allard called, called me like clockwork every month. The guy was tenacious. He was persistent. He was a gentleman and, and very professional and it was through his persistence that he finally got an audience with Brandon after almost a year. So Brandon didn't jump into this and say, oh, I want to be famous. I want a TV show. He was basically drugged to the party. But I appreciate Brandon's willingness to be transparent. And I, and I appreciate his curiosity and his uh, putting, you know, really putting his personal dollars towards trying to get answers for that benefit us all. So. Brandon seems to have, based on our research, a sense of humor, perhaps a hidden sense of humor. We noticed he purchased Skinwalker Ranch with a holding company by the name of Adamantium Holdings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And Mantium being the strongest metal in the universe, according to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that is. Well, look, I, I, I realize it's, it's, a, it's a closely guarded secret, but Brandon is actually quite a fan of pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said, there's only one Brandon Fugel. Yeah, that's great. Yep. Great. All right, guys, just a couple more here. Not too far from Skinwalker Ranch sits Roswell, New Mexico. What's your hot take on Roswell? Goodness, I... I have no idea. That's that's out of my uh, out of my field of view at this point. Who knows? Maybe it'll come it'll come in, in into scope. But as it stands, I don't think I should say anything about Roswell. Yeah, I know this is horrible because of the space that I'm in. But I know so little about it that I'm very uninformed. I, I couldn't make an intelligent comment about it. Well, I feel like we should all meet up at. Skinwalker Ranch sometime and take a little road trip down to Roswell. And while we're at it, guys, I would love your hot take on another popular road trip attraction not too far from Skinwalker Ranch, Area 51. Oh boy, I, I, I like I like the idea of 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 uh, not locking horns uh, with the folks behind the signs that say no trespassing and uh, <laughs> lethal force use of lethal force has been uh, authorized. So I don't know what you mean by a trip to area 51. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean that ridge like 10 miles outside the property. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. I, look, the curiosity is always there, you know, but this is, this is one of the things I, I often say. Curiosity alone is not an entitlement to answers, uh, you know, and so I say that on my own behalf. I, you know, I, I'm not speaking for anyone else, but my curiosity alone does not entitle me to answers. Certainly, I'm interested in what happens there, but I recognize the need for, you know, perhaps the uh, the, the protection of things in, in the interest of national security there. Well, and I, I'll just also throw out a little uh, fact that probably not very many people know, and I, I feel comfortable sharing this because I've heard him share this publicly. But our own Jim Morse has been inside Area 51 with uh, Representative Jake Garn. So uh, Jim has been to not just to it, but in into. Wait a minute. So that's amazing. And his number is <laughs> now getting him to talk and about anything that was there. He won't do, but he can, he can oh, acknowledge that he's been there. That's good of him. Have you seen Jim and Bob Lazar having breakfast or anything like that? Jim Morris will have breakfast with anyone. So even if you have much. That's a fact. Jim is one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, what do we call him, Tom? <laughs> Which specific term? We refer, we refer to Uncle Jim as the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> He's guy that's the most interesting guy that's sure. fun. Yeah. Hey, I just have one more because I have this opportunity to ask you guys. I need to. This 1.6 gigahertz radio frequency that's happening. Can you further explain that to me? Somebody that does not have knowledge of radio frequency. It seems like every time you do something, this frequency is is occurring. I think I just saw Thomas scoot away from the table. <laughs> this is out of my wheelhouse. This is a, this is a total area. Um, Okay, yes, I'll, I'll address this because this is in fact something that comes up very often. And uh, you know, actually I appreciate the question. It hadn't occurred to me that this might be worth talking about, but um, 
Um, it is not the fact that we see, uh, you know, a peak in the in the spectrum uh, at or near 1.6 gigahertz. First of all, it isn't exactly 1.6 gigahertz, and it's and it's it, we 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 fully understand that this is a region of the electromagnetic spectrum where we do have what we would call traffic, you know, or you know, th there are things that operate in that space, things that we know about, including you know, satellite communications and and, and so forth. Um, what is interesting to us is when we see um, what I would call badly behaved signals that don't stay in their lane. So imagine you've got a series of, of well-defined peaks across a range of the of the RF spectrum. You know, I, I typically stream uh, to the to the through the live stream a portion of that electromagnetic spectrum from 1.3 up to 1.9 gigahertz. And we see a regular pattern of, uh, of signals that, that occupy that space. But what we're looking for are those instances where we see a peak that it doesn't obey the conventional rules. It, you know, it's moving around, you know, it's not staying in its lane. That's the sort of thing that gets our attention. There's another thing that happens in that region that's worth talking about. And that is when the entire noise floor, think of it as the low level static, if you will, when the entire noise floor jumps up as if it has been, you know, every frequency across that that domain has suddenly been em emitted by something. Those are the kinds of events that interest us and, quite frankly, concern us. What what could be causing them? You, you know, I've I've heard Travis exclaim, "There's not a technology on Earth that can do that." Um, you know, I wish he were here in this conversation because I'm sure he could add a lot to this. It was, in fact, you may remember. Uh, when when we were exploring one of these uh, cavities in the mesa, we, uh, we call it the swimmy-headed hole. It's kind of like it's like yeah. a, a yeah. cave. Um, you know, we were exploring that and looking at uh, uh, an airflow that was seeming to come out of what may be a natural duct uh, in this opening. Uh, Travis experienced some symptoms. You know, he talked about being kind of lightheaded or, as he says, swimmy-headed up there. And it was in that very same exercise, that same time frame, that uh, one of the uh, members, uh, visiting members of our team, who was a geologist, noticed that on a handheld spectrum analyzer, he was seeing, uh, you know, a very strong peak right in that range, that 1.6 gigahertz range. And I think that's what really turned our attention to this, uh, um, to this 1.6 ish gigahertz signal. And it kept coming up again and again and again in our in our work. So I, I don't want people to get the impression that we are running around with our hair on fire because we see signals in that range. We know there are signals in that range. It's the particular character of those signals that interests us. And I'll tell you from having watched the RF spectrum all the way down into the kilohertz range and up into the uh, you know six gigahertz and beyond, um, there are lots of places where I see signals that, are, that seem to be very strangely behaved and I don't have a good uh, explanation for that behavior wild i'm i'm just dying to know what's causing it all i know you guys are too and eric you seem to definitely rely heavily on i'm not going to jump to any conclusions until i have full answers but thomas what do you think is buried under those rocks <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about it in the mesa where we put the metal up the hill? yes <laughs> yes boy i i'll tell you right now i've I've spent a lot of time uh, focused on that area and without going into season four too much, it's definitely, there's definitely something worth investigating there. I mean, we, we've got mm. multiple data points that are pointing to that spot. So that's, that's all I'm going to say. 
Okay, we'll have to watch and I can't wait. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the comment earlier, but somebody came on here and said that they started studying astronomy because of you, which I think is a, is a major tribute to the work that you're doing. And the work that you are doing goes so far beyond the show on the History Channel, but truly to so many things that are happening in the nation right now, just studying UAPs and trying to understand those bigger answers. You know, where did we come from? Where are we going? And what else is happening that we can't see? For those that watch the show, for those that don't watch the show, for those that believe that don't believe, you know, what is one takeaway from what you have learned with your work at Skinwalker Ranch that you would want to share with people? I'm going to go first because Eric wraps everything up so nice in a little bow. I do not want to follow him. <laughs> Deal. I'll just say that the, the, the one takeaway that I have from the ranch is that there's obviously a lot more to this world than we that then meets the eye there's a lot more than we understand and i i cringe at the word paranormal i know the team does too you know paranormal to me is simply science that we don't yet understand it it's and and so uh coming on the ranch with somewhat of a well very skeptical mind and maybe a closed mind uh i think my takeaway is is that there is a lot that goes on in this world that we still have yet to learn and understand uh, you know, I think I think a takeaway for me, I could I could name any number of them, but one takeaway for me is that the ranch itself and the investigation are really a stewardship. You know, we we may or may not get what what some will consider to be final answers, but you know, we will uh, definitely advance the discourse. We'll move the needle and and then some. And so there's the stewardship of of, of this property and of the data. There's the stewardship of the discourse, and you know it's just a privilege to be able to uh, to touch the face of this problem, um, and to work at the interface between the known and the unknown, really on the periphery of uh, canonical science. And uh, I'm just grateful to have the chance to do that with uh, what, for the most part, seem to be uh, the best wishes of those who are watching our work and now participating in. Yes. Wonderful. And we are so lucky to have you guys with us here and to be doing the work that you're doing and to come and share it with us. If you're listening to us and you have not seen Unseen World of Skinwalker Ranch, you need to definitely get on the History Channel and watch it. It's addictive. And we always leave it to Smitty to get the name of the show wrong. It's the secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Well, I'm sorry. Check that I'm one sorry. out. It says the unseen thing. It says it at the top there. So, that was the I'll title of it. our show. And we're show. hoping to have Eric and Thomas back yeah. in the near yeah. future to talk about beyond yeah. Skinwalker okay. Ranch. Absolutely. You know I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I have watched the show. I promise I'm a fan of it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. As I always say, be happy, be strange, and listen to all things unexplained. Thanks. Like. Share. Follow. Comment. Subscribe. Support. What's your hot take on Travis Taylor? <laughs> <laughs>
it, I've got an exclusive for you guys if you okay. wanted about yeah, the Alaska. We do. Okay, okay. More at BigfootUFO.com. All things unexplained. So some of that I think, sir, will save for post session. Mm-hmm.